Starting this episode with a quote from Wayne Henley. Mama, I'm just kidding. That's not a quote. <laughs> like how many times have you made, said that quote? It's been in my head. In the four parts. Um, I, five parts that we have now done this. I was in the shower today. I was like, mama. <laughs> yeah, we saw your, your thirst edit video of it. I killed Dean. Okay. Oh, Wayne. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> oh, Wayne. <laughs> Okay, let's let's pick another quote from this. Such a fucking mess. All right, Wayne Henley says, "Quote: Dean was a nice. He was reserved, quiet, enjoyed himself. The man that did these killings was something else." Wayne Henley. All right, let's talk about a victim here. Getting straight straight on it. If you guys want, we're going to talk about. A guy named Johnny Malone. This is one of the 29 victims. As you're going to see, Wayne Henley was not only involved in the murders, but he was just as sadistic as Dean. Now, if we take David's word for it, David Brooks, who says he hasn't killed anyone and then blamed most of the killings, all the killings, on Wayne and Dean, Wayne never, never defended that. Wayne admitted to killing, mm-hmm. being forced or not. We we can see that David's David's account is probably pretty accurate. Plus, Wayne's account is also accurate because he wanted to tell the truth for Mama, you mm-hmm. know, so I can live. So we can see that Wayne is actually pretty sadistic. Okay. This is the guy that's trying to get out of prison right now. Okay. This boy, Johnny Malone, was one of the many victims, just like most of the boys who would always come over. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, it would be fine. They would just come over, sniff some paint, drink, you know, whiskey whatever Wayne would actually finance most of the parties because Wayne actually worked as a handyman so he financed a lot of the parties Mm -hmm. and they would just get fucked up that's what they did okay so the kids would come over and then if something happened it was like it was like a a gamble almost now they didn't know that they could die right but a lot of them did you know because things got out of control like we talked about so Johnny Malone is one of those kids however he tried to escape and Wayne is the one that killed him Okay, ah, so this is the okay. first one that we know that Wayne is killed, according to David. First one. David saw it. Okay. He saw this kid trying to escape once things are getting too far, and now he's he could potentially run out of the house. Now, this is at 2020 Lamar. Mm-hmm. So this kid, Johnny Malone, this is what happens, according to David. All right. I don't know if I want to tell you what happens or let you read the exact quote, but I'm, let me just... Try to describe it because this is kind of intense. Okay. Johnny Malone is with another guy there named Billy Bollich, B-A-U-L-C-H. And both of them are going to be killed this night. Okay. Johnny Malone tries to make an escape for it and Wayne sees it and he shoots him right in the signature spot that Wayne shoots everyone, even Dean, right in the forehead. Okay. Now we talked about a 22 caliber. It's not really big. It's not a big, not a big bullet. You can get shot with a 22 caliber all, all. Yeah, but maybe not not in the middle of your forehead. I know. Right. This is what makes this murder so intense. Okay. 22 caliber bullet straight in the forehead, like right between the eyes. Boom. Pineal gland blown up. He falls to the ground. And this was Wayne that shot him right in the forehead, close range. He falls to the ground and that's the end of it, right? That's the end of it. However, a full minute goes by, a full minute, 60 seconds goes by and little Johnny Malone gets up with his bullet in his head, like nothing happened. And he said, please, 
Please, Wayne, don't. Please, don't kill me. This is from David. Jeez. Johnny Malone, Johnny Delone, something like that. Yeah, it's true. Billy Balch was already laying dead in the bed, and I was sitting, talking to Johnny, trying to keep him calm because he went wild when he's seen the strangling. He knew he was fixing to go himself. Wayne snuck back and hollered, Hey, Johnny! And when he turned around, Wayne shot him in the face and he fell over. About a minute later, he raised up and he says, Please, Wayne, don't. Wayne had to choke him. Jeez. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Wolfie says, Size matters twice in this case. Yeah. I mean... You know, I kind of kind of wonder if he even knew, like at that point, he was shot. That's crazy. Because I mean, that probably disrupted his brain. I guess. <sighs> That's wild. Saying. Yeah. We know Wayne, as you're about to see, is completely okay with killing. Mm -hmm. And David is not okay, but he doesn't. You know, he's still he's still there. He's helping bury the bodies. Yada yada yada. But Wayne specifically is taking part in these killings. A lot of the chokings and stuff like that. David claimed that he actually didn't kill anyone. He just helped dispose of the bodies. He also said that Wayne is more sadistic than Dean was. And, and the reason I'm, I'm harping on this Wayne guy is because uh, right here, and I showed you last time, but he's trying to get out of prison. Now, this is recent. This is from uh, six months ago. Mm -hmm. He's trying to get a compassionate release. And as you're going to see... We should probably not be so compassionate. Exactly. And Wayne says about his childhood... Well, if you had a daddy that shot at you, you might do you might could do some things too. He also says this, quote, "I know I'm going to be sent away and I'll be about 40 when I get out." Maybe That's optimistic. Maybe they'll take me in the army. He's 66 now. <laughs> so luckily, I mean, I don't know what the fuck he was thinking. He's going to get out at 40? There's 29 dead boys and you're going to get get out at 40? I mean, are you, mm. are you what it <laughs> what I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he thought that because he wasn't the, the killer of most of them. But I will say, if, if it wasn't for Wayne, because David was smarter, David wasn't going to admit to anything until his hand was sort of forced, right? Mm -hmm. But if the boys would have said, hey, let's just blame all this on Dean, and we were just forced to help, they, they could have possibly gotten away. I, I can guarantee you they would have gotten away, because no one could prove otherwise. If they knew the lawyer thing, and Wayne went in there, and he had a lawyer at first, and he didn't just chirp like a little bird, you know? Interesting. They they would have definitely got away. Well, because they were both not silent, right? So Wayne was arrested first, and he wants to clear his conscience, and also he doesn't think he's going to get in prison that long. But so he does it, and then he actually is in the police station, and he looks at David and is like, "I didn't told him everything, David. You might you might want to do that too." And David's like, "What the fuck? You know, <laughs> shut the fuck up." <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so eventually, David did confess, but he actually has two confessions one was kind of redacted and reworded if you will but um it's almost like it was the great prisoners you know the prisoners dilemma, dilemma but yeah. <laughs> except doesn't sound like they were really forcing well it was interesting because david didn't want to say anything and wayne was a uh, an open book but now that he know but he was yeah i mean he knew that he he chirped so he needed to yeah tweet. david brooks had known dean coral for four years by the time wayne henley came in to the picture. Wayne Henley was the new boy and right away he became almost
almost like a, a tyrant to not only all these kids, but also David Brooks. David Brooks remembers one time when he went into the house and immediately he was slugged by Wayne, you know, fist in the face. Wayne was hiding behind the door. Boom! Right in the face, knocks him out. David Brooks wakes up on the torture mm-hmm. board and he's getting raped. I don't know if that tells you the dynamic of the three. Yeah. You know. Not that David Brooks was innocent, because he surely wasn't. So he got life in prison, one life in prison. Okay. So they did put him in there for life in prison. However, he just died not too long ago. This is what Wayne said about choking someone. Man, it's horrid, he said. It ain't like on TV. Man, I choked one of them boys, and he turned blue and gurgled, and ju- I just couldn't kill him. He just wouldn't die. I went in and got Dean, and I ke- saw he came out and helped. Had to do two, three like that. So that's Wayne Henley. All right. At this time, the Coral Candy Company goes out of business since 1968. And during that time, Ruby, remember I told you about the uh, candy apple lady? Yep. She notices that there's a lot of stress going on. The company's closing. Dean is having to get a part-time job. And not only that, she also sees Dean on several occasions, especially in the late evening, nighttime, carrying a shovel with him. Hmm. Okay. Now, this is 1968. And what he would do is he would go into the factory, into some of the back rooms. This is before he was dealing with Wayne Henley Mm -hmm. and even David Brooks, a little bit of David Brooks, I guess, that he had just met. But in 1968, Ruby kept seeing him and other employees kept seeing him carrying a shovel with him, going into the back rooms and digging in the factory. When asked about it, because several employees are like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. He would say that he was, quote, dumping discarded candy apples which that they've uh, never done that like is you throw them in you throw them in a dumpster you don't bury them and then pour ce- <laughs> cement you don't bury them and pour concrete over it it's okay you can say cement <laughs> You don't bury them and then shoot semen all over it. Ew. <laughs> so, Cor- this is before. All right, so you're asking, all right, well, they didn't even dig. Even today, they haven't even started digging or even cared to freaking dig in the factory. What the fuck? You really think he's discarding candy apples, burying them in the factory, and then recovering it with, with fresh concrete? Who the fuck would do that? Dean was already killing people on his own. Like, why don't they go and fucking... No one's brought this up. Like, has no one brought this up? not that suspicious apparently to them this has she has seen him dig on multiple occasions i mean there are probably 10 or 20 bodies under there yeah yeah i'm sure there's a, a and they haven't even dug it up yeah he did his burying without a word of complaint the way he did everything else he had this big roll of clear plastic four or five foot wide he had sacks and sacks of cement and other stuff back in his pouting room we didn't ask what he used it for what mm. <laughs> they, just, they don't want to know they don't want to know but it's been 30 years. Denial. 40 years. Denial. Right? It's been over 40 years. Hey, what's that river in Egypt called? <laughs> <laughs> As a curiosity, just to be morbidly curious, let's go freaking dig it up. Mm. Like, what? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> in their view, some things are better left buried and swept under the rug. <laughs> 
at least build a hotel or something over it, like some of the people do. <laughs> yes. Wolfie, this is the second time we have both said like the exact same thing today. Nice. In, at the same time. Awesome. So no one knows how many victims Dean has, but it's probably a far more amount than 29. I think that's fair to say at this point. Yeah. And they're probably still buried both in the boat shed and in the factory. Yeah. That's, I mean, the, the factory is like a place you could look now and find bones. Probably. You, I mean, Undoubtedly. You yeah. literally could go dig right now and find bones. Yep, yep. And they haven't. And they have, have not. They have not. 40 years Still later. haven't. Ah, <laughs> seems like a shit. lot of work. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I will say that because Ruby went up to the detective and, and said that, you know, said, hey, Dean is digging or Dean was digging here in mm-hmm. the factory and they had sent someone out. And I have a quote in there where she says, I have to find it, but it, it says something like they dug, they basically did five little shovel digs and then quit. But it's, I, yeah, it's pathetic. But I will say she was talking about the detective who was there in charge of it was more concerned about her husband because her husband also worked with them and he asked her like like it matters if her husband quote was a queer that's what they care about and she's and she is like okay what is what does it matter what does that have to do with anything <laughs> we're talking about murdered children like dozens of murdered children and that's what you care about right now that's all the detective asks is is your husband a queer dude i know right what the fuck <laughs> that's crazy i mean i know this is in the 70s but god damn still i mean is your husband a queer <laughs> i mean what the fuck? Uh, I mean, that's crazy that that it would be her response. <laughs> that's just crazy. Put, put, put them shovels down, know, boys. Her husband is It is kind of crazy that like the <laughs> the parents of these missing, you know, or they were missing kids, but of the kids, you know, who were probably killed by Dean. I'm sure that one. I'm sure you could probably figure out the accurate number by a re- how many missing children there were in the surrounding areas in that time frame, mm-hmm, so you yeah. can get a more accurate count of how many kids were probably killed. Um, But I am surprised that there was not a... a uh, maybe there was, and we just don't hear about it, but you would think the parents in this town would be fucking outraged. So a lot of them were from broken homes, but mm. the parents were calling on the police, and the police were doing literally nothing. And I get it, it's the runaway time. It's the 70s. Everyone's, you know, running away joining the circus or whatever but i mean everyone's only running away from from uh the heights i don't know it's kind of right, crazy exactly doesn't really make any sense i'm not talking bad about police in general just this one department did not care okay and and some of the police did care you know like that one quote you read that detective was like it's a shame that this happened like yeah yeah th- they should have kept we should have kept digging he didn't have any control over it right so they're not all like this but one detective said about the missing kids quote these kids most of them knew what they were getting into they were male whores out for some quick money another detective said those kids were what you call little turds most of them several had police records several had nutty parents that is so fucked up Mm -hmm. okay uh, most of them did not have police records most of them were just kids that you know yeah i mean just kids i mean how many 11 11 year year olds yeah 11 year olds have freaking police records 
Yeah. So this is Ruby Jenkins, the candy apple lady, about the police not digging up the bodies in the factory. Quote, they couldn't have been more bored. They sent a couple of detectives and a digging machine out to the shed on 22nd to meet me. And they found about 40 reasons to tear up a few feet of dirt and then quit. There was concrete in most of the places where Dean used to dig. And a detective kept saying, lady, this is old cement. There couldn't be any bodies under here. Lady, you're just plain wrong. So I walked away. Well, who put the cement there? And then that same detective says, tell me about your husband. Is he a queer? God, nuts, man. <laughs> completely fucking nuts. Wow. At this time, the candy business started to turn sour. <laughs> Dean picked up another shift at the Houston Lighting and Power Company. And by this time, the mom had already remarried twice more. Now to a man who was a paranoid schizophrenic and extremely jealous and violent. So she couldn't even stay at her own house anymore. She had to live in the candy factory and Dean Coral basically fortified it. Security cameras, big locks, everything. Because th- this guy was extremely unstable. He would ride around the factory at night blaring the horn. He would come up there, pound on the door, demanding to see Mary West. All of this stuff. And the, and the police, you know, were called, but they didn't, never even came out. So they had wow. a fortify, they fortified Mary West, the mother, in the candy factory. Now, this is during the time where it's closing down. So, and this is bad news for Dean, because at this point, she contacts another psychic and this psychic tells her that she needs to move out of there to somewhere else. She moves to Dallas. Now, Dean's only lifeline, which is in a lot of cases we do when the parents leave or parents die, they have that one little lifeline, which it was to her mom that separates them from normal, although kind of effed up to complete homicidal maniac has now been severed. So this is when all the killings started happening at once. Mm. The number is 70 to 73, but we know that he was digging in the factory. So if we take that into consideration, it would be 68 to 73. Yeah. So once mom moves to Dallas, then, you know, he's all alone. He doesn't have any friends. Remember, this is all he does. His two friends are teenagers who just come over and get high and stuff like that. And then eventually help them torture people. Those aren't those aren't good role models, you know? No. So he started moving. Now, this is crazy. The first place he moved, now this this is before 2020 Lamar, where he was shot and killed, his father's place. He started moving, once the factory shut down, to different locations, different apartments. In fact, over five years, 25 different addresses in five years. That's a lot. That is a That's lot. five a year. Yeah. Why do you think he wants to move that much? Well, something be stanky in his boat shed. You think they should be, you know, looking at those places? Yep. You sure th- do. You think they are? Nope. Doesn't sound like <laughs> The thinking is that the reason he moved every, what, two and a half months to a different apartment is because he was burying bodies there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) He's running out of square footage in the apartment backyard, you know? I mean, how many does this guy kill? It's just, I mean, that's where it's... This guy probably killed over 100 kids. Yeah, it's probably way, 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 way more than the numbers that we were talking about. No one's even been back and looked anywhere where he lived. 
I hope that somebody does. Like, I, I hope that maybe, now it's 40 yeah, something years later. Doesn't mean it's too late to do some excavating if they have information about where, you know, kids may be buried. But who the only person that can provide them information now is, is Wayne. Or, I mean, um, yeah, Wayne Henley, who may say, hey, I, I know where some more I bodies know where are. Some more bodies are. If you let me out of prison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he may. I mean, shit, maybe. So now Dean is all alone. His mother has left and the candy factory, the thing that he grew up in and the only thing he really knew. Because let's be honest, he's a relay tester at Houston Power and Lighting. You think he gives a shit about that? There's no passion in that. I mean, you he goes Where's to, the candy at? He goes to work and he does his job and that's it. Right. He ain't got nothing to live for at this point, honestly. Mm-hmm. He's starting to drink more. I mean, where his, you know, I told you about Betty Hawkins, the girl that he was kind of going to marry, but just to appease his mom. Yep, yep. So they, they're beard. they're in communication all these years and she notices he's changing. He's more down. He's more depressed. He's more nihilistic. He's more drunk. You know, he's just not that old sweet Dean. So he picks up his life first by moving across the street from the Cooley Elementary School. That's his first location. He actually rents a storage shed. Does anyone check the storage shed? (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) This is crazy. I mean, like, in a normal case, I feel like the answer would be like, of course, it was thoroughly searched and they found four bodies here and blah, blah, blah. In this case, you're like, they didn't even fucking open the thing, did they? I mean... Well, here's the thing. All right, let me go back to what the detective says. Seems like a lot of work, man. All right, here's what the detective says. These kids knew what they were getting into. These kids are what you call little turds. I mean, they're literally blaming the victims. I know for being murdered. When I wrote this story, when I was doing my research, I started writing, "Oh, these kids are all delinquents and stuff like that." And then I realized, no, this is just what the police were saying. This to isn't write, actually the kids because to make themselves feel better about not doing shit about it. Why did we show you, David? Uh, Hillegeist. Why do you think I did his case? He was a good kid. And the other kid he was with, Mally. Good he, kid. He stole a bike and the police left him in prison for a month because he, not because of stealing the bike but because they he was such him a lesson. He was such a good kid that they could see him being president one day. They kept him in for a month? Yeah. Yeah. You didn't, you read that. It was a month. I didn't realize it was, I thought it was like a day. No, it was, a, he was a good kid and they wanted to show him to get back on the, the right track. Like, he, he is no delinquent. He He's not huffing paint, you know. But if you research the story and you read the police reports, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see, all oh, this male whore wanted to get, you know, his dick sucked for 20 bucks. So he went over to Dean's. Now he ended up dead. Who cares? I mean, it's just fucking crazy, right? Yeah, I bad. mean, these kids were just literally were co- kids. coaxed with candy. And to the detectives, they're all male whores and little turds. <laughs> what the fuck? Wow. One detective says, quote, I got live cases to work on where the murderers at large right now and Mike could kill again. Why should I fuck with this coral thing? Wow. <laughs> well, you should have fucked with it before he, he was murdered <laughs> or ki- was done killed. 
But they didn't. Like, they did have a murder at large, and they didn't do anything about it. He moved to a storage shed. That was the first place he moved out of the 25 different addresses. He was still the candy man, even though the shop was out. But those kids a few years earlier who would come, like David Brooks, and get their pockets filled, and even like the nine-year-olds and stuff like that, were now, you know, 13, 14, 15, and they just came to him now, not for candy, but for whatever. Now, we're talking about most of the kids were picked up, you know, kind of brought there or whatever. But a lot of the kids did actually go to the house. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. At this point, it's surmised that Dean either found a pair of handcuffs or bought them. Who knows? And that's when he started messing with the handcuff trick, you know, where, oh, let's see if you can get out of these. They're they're not real handcuffs. They're Houdini cuffs, right? And they were real handcuffs. Yeah. He developed a Manson-like following, too, with some of these kids. Now, now, most of the kids that knew Dean, like they they survived, right? Also, at this time, when he met Wayne, Wayne brought a lot of kids from the Wayne was enrolled in a driving school and he went up there and enrolled a lot of the kids to come to the parties, if you will. Mm-hmm. One guy on Facebook, I think recently said something to the effect of I was in said driving school oh, wow. and I was invited to said party and something happened where, you know, my car broke down or whatever. I couldn't get a ride or I missed the missed their van or whatever. So lucky kid. Yeah, no shit. I guess guy now. When Dean Coral turned 30, he got real conscious about his age because, you know, he's 30 now. He's hanging out with teenagers. He's doing everything he can to look younger. While everyone else is growing their hair out and stuff like that, he's keeping kind of clean shaven, trying to look kiddish. He also had a sharp personality change. This came about with a an illness he had. I never heard of it. Hydrocele. It's a water pocket that develops in your testicle and it's supposed to be extremely painful. So he's going through this too at the same time. Everything's just falling down on this guy. He loses the candy shop. His mama leaves, you know. He turns 30. He turns 30. He has to work at this job he doesn't like. He's a failure type of thing. You know. Murderer. You know. You know. So everything just piles up. And lately he's been, his sadistic appetite has been increasing from what Wayne Henley would say. Okay. Dean Coral didn't make a lot of money. I told you Wayne financed a lot of the parties. Mm -hmm. Dean didn't make a lot of money. So the $200 per kid, that's the verbal contract he had between David Brooks and Wayne Henley. However, there was only one payment of that. Oh. Yeah. Dean is, Dean didn't pay besides that one time. Interesting. Yeah. Dean became kind of a shitty friend. Not only would he not, 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 (laughs) I mean, I mean, just think about that statement. Like, he's a shitty friend. He didn't pay his trafficker for, you know, he only paid him one time. He just then just, you know... Got the kids for free. <laughs> what I meant by Dean's a shitty friend is he wouldn't pay, okay? And things like digging graves. He would go, come on, let's go dig these graves. And he would go out there first. All right, I got most of it done. You you boys finish it up. They would get out there to the grave and it would be like he did nothing. You know, he's kind of just a shitty friend even to them. Yeah, he's he's like not a good human being at all. <laughs> no, he's terrible. Um, all right, let's go to the Texas Farm Road. This is another place they found bodies. So we went to the boat shed. All of his oh, they addresses. Went to another place, at least. Now we're actually going to another place to pull out bodies. All right, Texas Farm Road. This is where they pulled up the boy Billy Lawrence. It was a summer community called Hickory Hollow. Elmer Wayne Henley, in an interview, said, "Quote: There was just some boys that 
that got got Dean. Damn, I can't even read his heck fucking. These was just some boys that Dean picked up that I helped him get. Brother, and he raped them. Ended up killing them. Brought them down here and buried them. This is interesting. I never heard this before, but they brought a rolled up carpet out. Now, this is in the forest. Okay. They bring a rolled up carpet out with them, with the bodies. But with the, the body in it. No, the body's not in it. In fact, you'll see Dean is so strong that he would literally put one boy under each arm and kind of barrel them walk over to the grave. There's another reason they brought the carpet with them. It's kind of interesting. I never heard of anyone doing this. They bring the carpet with them because when they start digging, they don't want to make a mound somewhere. So they just dig out the excess dirt, put it on the carpet, roll the carpet up, and then, you know, move that dirt somewhere else. Huh. Because on like the side of the road, for example, if, if you dig a grave, you're going to have a mound with that dirt, you know? Yeah. So that's why they did that. I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> tidbit for all you body burying people out there alright so they found two bodies out there they also found one on Mile High Beach the detectives did go out there it was on uh, Highway 87 turned east along the Gulf and this is from David Brooks drove parallel to the beach and parked on the shoulder at Mile High Beach where the highway changes color just beyond and then down along the grass line now they brought this bad boy with them it's called a Galleon 8 118 road grader this this is the exact model from that time. Hmm. Pretty sick, eh? It's a big old machine. It's for men. So I know all you guys are females on here. So generalize. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> they were going to get serious about digging up these bodies finally. Which is good. Oh, were they? Oh, no, no, they were not. <laughs> The beach was easy, right? It's sand. They don't have to dig up concrete, you know. Mm-hmm. It's 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 effing sand, literally. You could dig it up with your hands. Yeah. Plus, David Brooks and Wayne Henley both showed them exactly where the bodies were. Most of them. A couple of them, they tried to show, yet they forgot the exact location on the beach. So they just never went back and even asked about it. Mm. Like, they, they know that there's some other ones there <laughs> at the beach. Still, <laughs> but yeah. That, but the fact that David Brooks couldn't find it or remember where it was was the reason they didn't dig those people <laughs> so far. I mean they'll take any reason to not have to bear them, <sighs> dig them up so they found two graves when they first went out there this is because they were shown by David Brooks about 30 yards east of the two Friday graves the blade ripped out a hank of black hair Oof. and a leg bone Yikes! and a digging party exhumed the jumbled remains of a boy that fucking machine just tore that body all up <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. I mean, you saw the machine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this is about Dean carrying the bodies to the beach. I kind of mentioned this, but go ahead and read it. Oh, Wayne Strong, all right, Brooke said. So was Dean. That Dean, he was powerful strong. When we'd come down here to bury a body, I'd stay in the car, and old Dean, he'd put two shovels under one arm and a body under the other and just walk right on down to the beach like he was carrying a fishing rod or something. Fucking nuts. So they found more bodies going further down the beach. In a few dips of the shovel, he brought a patch of plastic into view. In a grave about two feet deep and three or four feet wide, the part Hardy found a skeleton the size of a teenage boy's, with strands of dark wet hair adhering to the skull. The body was entirely wrapped in plastic and tied like a package. Most of the skeleton fell apart when the outside cords were cut, but the feet were almost intact, as though a sculptor had roughed them out in clay. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. Now, why do you think the feet were intact? Were they in shoes? Yep, there you go. 
Somebody's been listening to the one I did about that. That was a good one. Dude, I went way down that. I that mean, was a great episode, I, actually. Dude, I fucking explained that. If someone wants to know, it's no mystery anymore. I explained it. Yeah. I even explained why the feet, you know, because the shoes. And I even went down the road of why, you know, the Nike shoes, because they've been pumping more air in the Nikes over the years, why they're protecting the feet. Dude, I killed that episode. You did. It was if in, that one. mystery is solved, thanks to me thanks to my research ain't no one else fucking done that right Go <laughs> i know it's kind of a you know crazy dumb case but i know still. i loved that case actually <laughs> All right, the feet were intact because the, uh, which is crazy because the whole, they were, the bodies were skeletonized, most of them. Yeah. And well, that's where it's the same pattern, right? He wrapped them in plastic, put the mm, line in there, yeah. tried to decompose it, but he didn't think about taking the shoes off, I guess. I know, it's crazy. The next body was 200 feet up the beach, unwrapped, full set of teeth with a few gold fillings, black hair long that it almost looked like a female. However, the morgue assistant there said that, no, this is a male. You know, that's what mm. he's there for. But crazy, right? Two boys who were there, these are observers, beach-going boys. One was 12, the other was 13, maybe they're brothers. Anyway, they told the media, quote, It stunk like crazy, one of them said. Just bones. And you could see see his horror. His hair. Horror. You could see his horror. Looked like a Mexican. Awful. The other boy said, I seen it dug up. It had hair and a little bit of flesh on his arms. This was the first dead body I ever seen. I hope I don't see no more. I don't know. I thought that was cool to put in there. All right, another two miles at the beach, they found more bodies. <laughs> what are we at? Eight now? <laughs> Fuck. No, we're at way more because we already found 17 in the, <laughs> in the boat shed. <laughs> Plus lost tw- count. Plus 25 different addresses. <laughs> yeah. All right. So another two miles at the beach, they found more bodies. A long stick was inserted deep into the sand and a, quote, unmistakable odor Ooh. wafted into the breeze, end quote. And we're about, we're finishing this up. Pretty much done. Um, three feet down at the edge of the salt grass, a work crew unearthed the body of another young man. Hands folded and tied across his stomach, ankles crossed and bound tightly. The boy wore blue jeans and one pocket was crammed with hand-loaded rounds of 27 caliber ammunition. A pair of scissors hung from his belt. The cause of death was apparent. Four or five heavy caliber slugs had torn the boy's rib cage apart. Those slugs came from Henley. Henley was the one that was shooting. Mm-hmm. They, they would usually shoot when they couldn't strangle to death because apparently it takes a lot to strangle someone. Never done it. Anyway, later that day they found even more bodies. A quote pair of bodies were lashed together with a cord on the top of each other wrapped in plastic and lime. And then they were going to find the other bodies, at least two more, but David Brooks could not successfully lead them to the location, those locations. So they just said, fuck it, we're done. <laughs> but it's not Dean's fault. If you want to read the last, this is from his mom, even, you know, even before she died. This is, so she had a psychic problem. So she would always consult these psychics. And this is what the psychic uh, told Dean's mom. I see Dean. He's completely clear. He's robed in white. He has an aura of white around him. So what do you think about all this shit? Uh, Did I do the Dean Quarrel story justice? 
Um, yeah, very, very thorough. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot of content uh, yeah, on I, Dean Coral. I mean, I have a lot more notes, but I'm not going to do You're this. like, I think we get the gist. <laughs> they went to each location. They found a body. They gave up on finding the more bodies. <laughs> like, you could, you could probably do that for another five more hours, I think. I could. Yeah. I really could. Like, that's insane. <laughs> this one was kind of hard. I don't know why. No, you know what was really hard? I can kill the man. <laughs> <laughs> the really hard story I didn't even do all the way. The Leonard Lake and Charles Ng story. I don't even think I put any of the episodes out. <laughs> oh, that, that episode. I read a 400 page book for that. <laughs> I still couldn't do it. It's just too complicated. <laughs> There's too many moving parts. <laughs> Started it, got too drunk, ate a Benny's pizza. Oh yeah, I did get too drunk. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we got, man. That is, that is, I'm done. All right. Right, we did it. So we will do the Belgium story, and I don't know who requests. I think Shram maybe, or I, I'm. So was I want, it Colleen? Because Colleen's in Holland. I don't know one of you guys, but it's a really interesting case. I think you will like it, and most mostly the reason I'm doing it is because you. When are there. when are we? What day are we gonna do it? Monday. Yeah, can we do it Monday? And that'll just be unlisted for Supremos. Okay, because yeah. I I do gen- I want to go pick up my favorite beers. Okay, cool. Uh, I gotta go to Total Wine though because it's special. Okay, and no one's done this story i can promise you and this it's got pretty recent news too cool and if you guys look in the um, request you'll see what i'm talking about but anyway that's all man that's dean coral so he's innocent obviously and his name has been dragged to the mud you know <laughs> all right well we'll see you guys on monday all right sounds good all right thanks, y'all. thanks guys and until and until next time good night you lovely lovely people